Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's good to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Special welcome to those of you, our online campus. Uh, you're so faithful to join us each week. It's great to have you here as well. So we are quickly approaching Memorial Day weekend. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe that we're already, you know, May 22nd. Next weekend, hopefully you got some plans with family, with friends. Maybe you're just going to get away by yourself. But if you're in town or even if you're on vacation, you can join us either one of those platforms for our services on Sunday. And if this is your first time here, I think you've joined us or you're watching at a great time because we're in a series right now called Faith Works. And what we've been doing in this series is we're looking at how practical our faith is, right? How our faith truly works in life. God didn't leave us some empty faith that's not going to help us. And there's different things that we can do and apply no matter what we're facing in our life. So just real quick, the first week we covered temptation, right? And how we don't have to entertain every temptation that comes into our mind and our faith gives us instructions on that. Then we dealt with anger the next week and how our faith instructs us we got to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. And then for the past couple weeks, Matt did like a mini-series within this series talking about emotional health and how our faith leads us to much better emotional health each and every day of our lives. And so today we're going to talk about something that I think we all struggle with but it's something that we don't like to admit. And it's one of those things that we like to pretend, I don't deal with this, I don't have this, but I wanna talk about respect. And really, when you look at our faith, we have a faith that demands us, encourages us to show respect to everybody, no matter who they are, no matter how different they are from us. And really what I want to talk about, that's a nice way of saying I want to talk about partiality. And when we are partial to some people over other people. And you might not even realize this, but this is a sin in the scripture. It's really referred to a lot of times in church circles as the sin of partiality. But it's being partial to some people or someone more than other people. And, and people don't like to talk about this sin, right? You don't hear a lot of pastors say, well, we're going to talk about the sin of partiality today. We kind of sweep it under the rug because we all deal with it. But it's when we're partial to some and not to others. And again, I, I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not partial. I, I'm not partial to some and to others. But if we do a self-evaluation there's probably times in our life, maybe we're struggling, maybe we're hurting, maybe we're under pressure, but we may be more tolerant of someone versus someone else, or we may show a little bit of favoritism to somebody over somebody else. And really, in our culture, we don't call it partiality. What do we call it? We call it bias. We call it prejudice. We call it injustice. We call it discrimination. We call it racism, but it's any time we treat someone differently just because they're different than we are. And it should break our heart. Anytime in our culture, we see injustice. 
It should be a a place we don't want to be, we don't want to live in, right? When people are not treated equally or they're treated with injustice. We should have what we talked about week two, that righteous anger. Remember, there's a good type of anger that we're allowed to have, that righteous anger. But the reason this is so complicated or it can be so complicated is because it doesn't always have to be so blatant. Right, our partiality or our prejudice doesn't have to be, you know, simply because somebody's skin color is different, or because they talk different, or because their nationality is different. A lot of times, it's more subtle than that. It could be the way someone dresses, right? It could be the number of piercings or or tattoos this person has over how many I have, right? It could be based on someone's size. Our partiality could be on someone's shape or their, or their hairstyle. It doesn't have to be so blatant and so in your face to understand that we might struggle with this. And often, more times than not, it's really subtle in our life and we don't even see it. And that's why God says, I want you to address this. And that's what we do every Sunday, right? We talk about something. If it's an issue in our life, we address it. If it's not, we learn from it and we move on. But think about it. We could, have, we could show partiality uh, to some over others based on what religion they have. And I've got to be honest, I struggle with this sometimes, right? Somebody follows a, di- a totally different religion, a different God. They're involved in a cult or whatever. And, and I, I want to shake them and say, can't you see what Christ did for you? Don't you understand who Christ is. So we can have bias and prejudice towards somebody because of their religion or because they're younger than we are. For me, that's everybody pretty much anymore, right? Or it could be somebody that's older than we are. And, you know, we might make assumptions about those people. What about economic prejudice or economic partiality? When we treat people maybe that have money differently than people that don't have money. Or when somebody makes more money than us and we, you know, we're kind of biased towards them and we, we say, well, they, they did something illegal. They did something wrong to get all that money. That's kind of what we assume when people have a lot of money, right? Or they make less money than we do. And we may make assumptions about their life or the decisions they've made in their life. So again, it doesn't have to be this, you know, right in your face partiality or prejudice. It could be something that's so subtle in our life, but God says it's a sin, and God says, I want you to deal with it. It's a big deal to God. Look at Deuteronomy 10, 17, and all of our verses, all of our learnings that we cover every Sunday, they're available on that Church Center app. If you haven't downloaded that, let me encourage you to download that, because it's not just about following along with the notes on Sunday. You don't have to do that. They're there for your use, but you can, you know, check your kids in early. You can sign up for groups. You can register for Adventure Camp. There's all kinds of things you can do with that. If you're streaming online, you know probably where that link is on Facebook or on the website, whatever platform you're you're watching from. But if not, the host will send you a link as well. But Deuteronomy 10, 17 says this, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. So learning number one, God's never prejudiced. God's never prejudiced. God's never unjust. That's what that verse is saying. Look at 2 Chronicles 19.7. Fear the Lord and judge with integrity. 
For the Lord our God does not tolerate perverted justice, partiality, or the taking of bribes. God doesn't tolerate partiality. And what he's saying is we shouldn't either. And all those things mentioned in that verse, they're the exact opposite of what God wants to get us to, right? He wants us to walk with integrity. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to be humble. But in the book of James, and we've jumped over to James probably, I think every week in this series so far, because we said week one that James gives us some of the most practical advice for when it comes to our faith and how to make our faith work. But even today, we're going to look at James because he confronts the selfishness uh, of people and the prejudice of people that arises out of showing partiality. So let's look at that. It's kind of a long passage, but I want to read it to you. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ If you favor some people over others, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention in a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law, as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. What's he saying? He's saying don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism. It's a sin. And I mean, that's pretty clear, the the way he lines that out. But what he gives us is not nationality prejudice, you know, or or not um, skin color prejudice. He gives us economic prejudice, where they're treating the person with money, uh, in higher regard than the person without money. Why does God despise this? And here's why. Learning number two, when we're prejudiced, we're saying we're smarter than God. Right? When we're prejudiced, when we show partiality, when we have biases, we're saying, hey, I'm smarter than God because really our prejudice, it questions God's creation. It really says, oh, God, you shouldn't have made all these people that are different than me, like they are, you, you should have made everybody like me. It was God's idea to create us, right? And it was God's idea to create all of us differently. He thought up gender, he thought up race, he thought up size, he thought up shape, he thought up all the unique creativity that each one of us has. Think about that for a minute. And how, how boring would the world be if we all looked the exact same and acted the exact same and talked the exact same? It'd be a pretty boring place, right? We are exciting as a culture, as a society, because all of us bring something different to the table, because we truly are created uniquely 
by our Heavenly Father. But when, when we show partiality to some groups over other groups or when we're prejudiced, we're essentially saying, hey, God, you made a mistake. I could have done this better. And then really what it is, it's a, it's an expre- it's a blatant expression of pride and arrogance and, and conceit. When we reject any person that God created... For any reason, just simply because something about them doesn't line up exactly with us, then we're saying that we know better than God. That's what it is. And that's why God doesn't like it. And that's why God says, you need to deal with this. Acts 17, 26 says, from one man, he created all the nations through the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. God made everybody. God made everybody differently. And God loves differences, doesn't he? Just look at the person sitting beside you, right? God loves differences. And you don't, you don't have to look far to see God loves diversity, right? You don't have to look beyond the walls of this church. He loves our differences. That's why he created us that way. If he wanted us all to be the exact same, he could have created us that way. But I love the fact that we're different. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Really, there's only one race, isn't there? If you think about it, there's really only one race. It's the human race. That's the only one that matters. And partiality and bias and prejudice is really a rejection of what God has created. It's splitting what God created and, again, showing partiality to this person or this group or this nation or or this community over others. And here's something else to think about uh, when it comes to partiality. I think partiality and bias, it, it can be a sign of our ignorance, just not knowing the greater makeup of what God has done. Anytime, though, we reject anybody for any reason and we don't treat them with respect, it's, it's ignorance. Look at what it says in Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And so when we're partial or we've got these biases deep inside of us, it means we don't fully understand. That's why I said it was ignorance. We don't fully understand God's plans. We don't fully understand God's purposes, and we don't understand God's people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. Anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates a brother or sister is still in the dark. If the person, It's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. But whoever hates is still in the dark, stumbles around in the dark, doesn't know which end is up, blinded by the darkness. Now, on the other hand, here's what we can do to overcome that. And we can gain God's wisdom, right? We can begin to understand God's purposes and God's plans and God's people. And God's wisdom kind of motivates us to drop those biases that we may have. Look at James 3.17. Again, more wisdom from James when it comes to our faith and how our faith works. Real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. 
You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor, treating each other with respect, in other words. So when we treat each other with dignity and respect and honor, that's free from partiality, isn't it? That's free from bias. That's free from prejudice. That's free from discrimination. We shouldn't say that we're wise if we think less of another person simply because they're different than we are. Free of partiality in life when it comes to anybody, even those people that are really difficult to love in our lives and that we meet, it's a mark of wisdom when we can be free of that partiality. So here's learning number three. When we're, when we're prejudiced, we disobey the greatest commandment. When we're partial and biased, we disobey the greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment? We know what it is. Jesus stated it. And, and Paul, in the book of Galatians, he reiterized that. And he reset it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. For the whole, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring each other, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Now, I want you to think for a minute, and why this is so important that we talk about this, think about the culture we live in today. There is more division. There's more partisanship. There's more anger. There's more hatred. I think in our time in society right now, at least that I've seen in my lifetime. And I would say, those of you that are my age or older, you would agree with that. You'd say, I haven't ever seen division the way it is. And what the scripture's telling us, our faith is telling us, all that's doing is tearing us apart. All that is, is destroying us. You know, when the religious leader in the book of Luke approached Jesus and asked him what the most important commandment was. We know what, we talk about this a lot. We know what Jesus said, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then that religious leader asked him another question. He said, well, who's my neighbor? Right? Why did he ask that question? He was trying to figure out what is the bare minimum that I can get by with to be okay with God? What's the least requirement so I'm still in good graces with God. That's really what he was asking. Well, who's my neighbor? Is it the person that lives beside me or is it everybody? And we know from reading the scripture that it, God means everybody, right? And all you have to do is look at that story in Luke and then go to the very next story. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And that kind of answers that question. Well, here's who your neighbor is. And just to kind of do a real high level of that story of the Good Samaritan, a Jewish man is walking down a road and he's beaten and robbed and left for dead. Okay, so he's just laying there on the road. And then three people come by. The first person that comes by is a Levite who is a Jewish person who is like a priestly type. And the dude just passes him, doesn't help him, doesn't do anything at all. And then the next is a, a temple assistant, works in the temple, right, with the Levite. And he passes the Jewish man who's been beaten and robbed and doesn't do anything to help him. It's not until the Samaritan comes along and he bandages up uh, the Jewish man, uh, takes care of his, 
his wounds, puts him on his horse or donkey and, and takes him into town, puts him in a hotel, pays for everything, right? And says, if you need more, let me know. It's the good Samaritan who is the good neighbor in this story Jesus told. But here's what's so incredible. There was so much racial discrimination between these two groups of people. Jewish people hated with a passion Samaritans. And Samaritans, they didn't like the Jews either. They hated the Jews as well. And in this story, which is so awesome that Jesus tells, it's the hated minority, the Samaritan, that is the, is the hero, the good neighbor, that takes care of the person who's totally different than them, who he has a racial bias against, and he takes care of them. And it's a picture for us that Jesus says, look, everybody, I don't care if they dress different, talk different, I don't care who they are, they are your neighbor. And as I read the Bible more and more, I'm absolutely convinced that us, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, we are the answer to the problems that we face with so much division in our country, with so much partiality and biases and prejudice and hatred in our country. The church is the answer. I truly believe that. James chapter 2, verse 9 says this, but if you favor some people over others, and that's what we've been talking about all morning, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. That's why we have to adjust it. And listen, it's not a small problem. It's not just a local problem, not just a Southwest Virginia problem, right? It's not just a United States problem. It is a worldwide problem. Everybody has prejudice. Everybody has bias. Everybody shows partiality to some over others. I don't care what country you're in. But that doesn't make it a big problem because it's worldwide. It's a big problem simply because of what that verse said, because it's a sin problem. And it's not just, you know, we, when we hear the word prejudice, we, we immediately go to racial prejudice, right, or nationality prejudice, but it's not racial prejudice. It's not just nationality prejudice. It's not just economic prejudice. They make more money than I do. It's not just prejudice in the United States or where you're from in the United States. It's prejudice. It's partiality simply because someone's different than we are, period. So how do we get rid of it? I mean, that'd be good, Scott. You've talked about it a lot. How about helping us here a little bit? How do we get rid of it? How do we root it out of our lives? And listen, I understand this is an incredibly complex issue. And, and I know that one talk is not going to just fix this issue for us for the rest of our lives. My intent today is to get all of us thinking and, and, and trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to move forward? So let's talk about one thing that I think we can do this week. One action step that we can take that will help us to be a little less partial, to be a little more impartial. And it's learning number four. We must learn to see people as God does. That's where we have to start. We got to start looking at people the way that God looks at people. I don't do this naturally. And I'm betting you don't do this naturally. So we have to learn how to do it. We have to ask God to help us. Hey, help me to see people differently. How does God see people? 1 Samuel 16, 
Verse 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. We've got to look at the heart. And, and studies show we don't do that, right? When we meet someone in the first 30 to 45 seconds, we make a judgment call on them based on how they dress, how they talk, what they wear, you know, whatever clues we can pick up, we're making a judgment about them. And then we're making assumptions about their life. Oh, they're full of pride or they're full of greed or they're whatever. We never look at people the way that God does. And Jesus says that's wrong. That's not how we should judge people. John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Essentially what he's saying is don't, just don't be shallow. Learn to see people the way that God sees people. And listen, cultural prejudice, racial prejudice, there's examples of it throughout the scripture. Jonah, he was called to preach to the Ninevites. That's why he didn't want to go. He ran away. He hated the Ninevites. Peter, one of the great disciples, had to get over his prejudice of non-Jewish people, because Peter was a Jew, in order for the gospel to spread, right? You remember God gave Peter this vision that he wasn't to be showing bias or to be prejudice or show partiality because he was wrong. He, but God basically showed him, you know, you're treating non-Jewish people different than Jewish people. And so he sends him to a Gentile, and that's what a non-Jewish person was. They're simply called Gentiles. You were either Jewish or you weren't Jewish, right? And God sends him to a guy by the name of Cornelius after he gives him this vision. Listen to Acts 10, 28. And this is Peter talking here. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. It was really illegal for Peter to even go to Cornelius' house, but this God sent him. It was illegal for a Jew to associate with a non-Jew, right, in their, in their law. And he goes to Cornelius and he says, hey, man, you know, I shouldn't call anybody impure or unclean. In other words, Cornelius, I shouldn't be prejudiced. That's what God has shown me. And what's so amazing about this story, this was over 2,000 years ago. And God is still trying to get us to that message. And then Peter said this in Acts 10, 34 through 35. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. So I'm going to give us all a homework assignment this week. It's going to be easy. And it shouldn't just be for this week. It should be really moving forward from here. But we need to start seeing people differently, the way God sees them. That's the homework assignment. So when you see that teenager, start looking at that teenager differently. When you see the person that dresses different than you or speaks different than you or is from a different country than you, start seeing that person differently. The person who makes way more money than you do, start looking at them differently. Look at them the way that God sees them. Because again, I think we 
the church, the body of Christ, are the answer to helping to get rid of partiality in our culture. We are called to model unity, not division, which is what we see every single day. Just turn on uh, any news channel. And you'll see just this hatred, this anger, this division that's going on everywhere. We're called to model unity. We're called to model reconciliation. We're called to model fellowship to the rest of the world. And Paul, he explains this, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. Some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And then in 1227, all of you together, talking about us, are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Why do we need the body of Christ? Why do we need each other? Whether this is the local body of Christ you attend or maybe you're watching online, you attend another local body of Christ. Why do we need that? Well, none of us are complete without each other in the body of Christ right? Nobody has all the gifts. Nobody has all the abilities and the talents. We have to have each other. We have to have everything in order to do what God calls us to do. That's one thing. But we need each other to be able to model what we've talked about today, impartiality to the rest of the world. If there's going to be unity, we have to model it, right? So we can't model uh, a lack of prejudice or a lack of bias or impartiality to if everybody's exactly like us. Right? So we have to be around people that are different than us, people that are hard to love maybe sometimes to model that for the rest of the world. But the main reason that we need the body of Christ is because we find our identity in the body of Christ. Listen to Galatians 3, 26 through 28. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if you have put your trust in Christ, and I know that's not everybody, but if you have, then that means you are a part of God's family, right? You have joined God's family. So you are a child of God, and that is your new identity. Your identity is not found in your economic status. It's not found in your nationality or the color of your skin or where you were born or where you were raised. It's not found in, you know, any of these other things. Our identity is in Christ. I'm a child of God. So if somebody says, hey, Scott, describe yourself to me, I'm not going to say, well, I'm old, wrinkled, gray, and tired, right? I should say, I am a child of God, which means I have more in common with a female Christian that lives in another country that speaks a different language that doesn't look anything like me, I've got more in common with her than I do a non-Christian white male that could be my identical twin, right? Because that's now our identity. We don't find our identity in anything except through Christ. Colossians 3:11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So whether a person has Christ is all that matters. And maybe you're here or watching today, and you've never 
started that relationship with Christ. He's available to everyone. And I truly believe that the only solution to our sin of partiality is Jesus. He's the only one that's going to help us to be able to see people the way that he sees people. So if that's you, when we pray and you want to accept Christ, I'll lead you in a prayer to do that. Now, if, if you're watching on, with our online campus or you're here in person and you feel like you've been mistreated in your life, you've been treated unjustly because of something, maybe because of your, your height or your size, maybe because of the color of your skin or, or the fact there's certain words like me in the English language you can't pronounce correctly. Maybe you feel like you've been mistreated because of your sex or because of a relationship or because of a failed relationship or maybe because of your economic status. I bet you most of us, if not all of us, have felt that injustice at some point in our life for something that was going on in our life. And I want you to understand something. The Lord understands that. He understands that because Jesus was treated unjustly. But he now calls us to model unity and model reconciliation and model impartiality to a world that desperately needs him and is desperately heading in the wrong direction. It's up to us to start. And it's easy. We start this week. We pray and we ask God to help us to see people differently. And then anybody we encounter, we try to get to that heart. Don't look at the outward stuff that you tend to get hung up on or I tend to get hung up on. Look at them the way that God sees them. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, first of all, for our differences. God, thank you that you didn't make us all identical and, and robots. Help us to see the beauty and the creativity of every single person that you placed on this earth. Whether they even know you or not, you created every one of us. Help us to live in that difference. Help us to truly start to see people through your eyes and not only through ours or through our parents or through anybody else's eyes. And as we're praying, if you're watching from home with our online campus or you're here in person and, and you've never said yes to Christ, what's holding you back? Why don't you say yes today? Maybe you've always thought that, well, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to change everything about my life. I can't have any fun. It's going to be rules and regulations. It's nothing like that. It's saying yes to the one that cares more about you than anybody in this world. Just pray from the quietness of your heart. Just say, Jesus, hey, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know I haven't said yes to you, but I want to say yes to you today. As best I know how, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. Make me a new person. Lord, help us get over our tendency to show partiality in certain situations. Help us to show respect to everyone and to love everyone so that more people can know who you are. We love you and we praise you. Amen. All right, real quick, a couple of uh, things for you. 
First of all, that church center app, you can fill out that connection card. If you've got prayer requests, man, we encourage you to put those on there. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that online through that app. If you have kids that are, I hope I don't get this wrong, uh, up and coming first graders to up and coming fifth graders, all right? So that's for next year, or next year, for the fall. If they're an up and coming first grader through fifth grader, Adventure Camp is in July. And you think I would be prepared and have the dates on the top of my head, but I don't. But you can sign your kid up today. I did get that part. You know, they told me, make sure you communicate this. But we've got a limited number of slots. It's going to be an incredible adventure camp. It's three full days. Uh, the kids will leave the church. Um, it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. They'll leave the church at like 9 o'clock in the morning. You can drop them off a little bit earlier, and they won't be back till 4 right? And so what we're doing is we, uh, we are taking them to Mountain Lake, and they're going to spend the entire day at Mountain Lake for a true adventure camp. They're going to be doing zip lining, those big giant balls you get into and you roll downhill. There's all kinds of crazy things, ropes courses. Um, but it's truly, it's, it's great to be able to have that again this year, our adventure camp. So if you've got kids in that age bracket, now obviously the things are age appropriate for your children, but it's going to be a blast. So those slots are filling up fast. If that's something you want to get your kid involved with, make sure you sign up on that Church Center app. Or you can stop by the hub and, and ask them for more information. The second thing I want to let you know about is group leader sign-ups start today. So you've been thinking about leading a group for the summer, maybe a study group, maybe a fun group, an activity group. Maybe you're going to continue your group that you just had into the summer. We encourage you to sign up to lead a group today. And then in several weeks, we'll have a group sign-up for all participants. Listen, I hope you have a terrific day. I hope you enjoy the afternoon, the beautiful weather, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you guys.